What is up, you guys? I'm your host, Michelle Snore, and welcome to the Limitless Podcast. This week is another one of our special limited edition episodes, and it's also extra special because it's our final limited edition episode, but not for forever, just for season one. We are going to be coming back. Um, So if you guys aren't familiar with what limited edition episodes are, they are specifically geared towards stylists, the beauty industry, as that is my thing. And so I'm really excited because there are some burning questions and some really unique stories inside of this one. I can't wait for you guys to hear this episode. How did you know you were ready to start educating? Ooh, that's a good question. Um, I mean, are you ever really ready for, I'm just kidding. Um, I would say when people want to learn from you, literally like I started having people approaching me about wanting to know my knowledge, like tons of questions on Instagram, um, asking if they could come shadow me. And so I was like, wow, people want to learn from me. But not only that, but I wanted to teach them too. We get so many amazing and wonderful questions. And I just want to thank you guys again for all of your submissions. And if you want to be part of a future episode in season number two, I would love to answer your questions. So the link for that is always going to be in the show notes. So let's get right into it. Grab a notebook and let's get limitless. All right, so we are going to welcome back the fabulous Katie to the podcast today. Hello. Glad to be here. We're glad to have you. Everybody always compliments me on Katie, so I'm very excited for her to be interviewing me and asking me these limited edition questions today. Um, So with that being said, we have some of our friends from the gram who chimed in. I'm excited to answer these questions and some anonymous ones going on today too, because we know we like to keep, you know, you can literally ask me anything on these episodes. So we like to get deep. So take it away. Let's get into it. Okay. So our first one from the gram is uh, a good in-depth one. Let me start this off. It says, What's a good way to approach a salon owner with constructive criticism or suggestions? Our salon owner makes us feel like the salon is an afterthought and it's not the best environment. It takes way too long for simple tasks to get done. We are booth rental salon, so does that mean it is what it is? Is there a better way out there? Okay, so I want to break this question down into kind of the multiple parts. Mm-hmm. So the first one saying, um, what is a good way to approach a salon owner with constructive criticism? Any suggestions? So I think what's important for a very strong dynamic between an owner and a teammate is that you understand each other. You yes. understand their their personality. You understand their strengths and weaknesses. Um because I've found that that helps just with the um, communication in the sense of, I know that there's certain ways with my team, with some girls, I can be very direct. With other girls, they might need a little bit more coaching They or maybe they just need to be spoken to in a little bit of a different way mm-hmm. to receive the information. So I think the first thing that I would do is figure out who I'm talking to. Mm-hmm. And I do that with everybody. I'm like, okay, let me understand who I'm talking to so then I can figure out the best way to approach this. Yes. Now, with constructive criticism, one of the things that I guess I appreciate is I love when someone comes to me with an idea or a solution. Like the other day when we had our meeting, um, we 
we just got a new booking system. And one of the things we were struggling with is there's no longer a check-in feature. And so that kind of stinks because we are used to getting a text message saying your client's here when they're checked in, but we don't get that anymore. So we're, it's kind of been like willy nilly. And so I really loved it because in our meeting the other day, one of my team members was like, Hey, I found this app that has the opportunity for us to get this app for check-in. Obviously that would cost me money. It would, you know, change something. It would be something that I needed to do, but I really liked that that team member came to me with a solution for it. So I think sometimes we can get like, we want to complain, we want to complain, we want to complain, but I think it reframes the conversation when they come to you with Mm -hmm. a solution or a possibility. Yeah, I think it can be a little intimidating to come to an owner sometimes. Is there Mm -hmm. anything you do to kind of keep your guard like down a little bit or make yourself more approachable? I think it's been the conversation from the very beginning that, which again, it seems like maybe I'm a little different than this salon owner, but I'll say like, I'm an open door. I love ideas. I think the power of 10 brains is better than one. And so I think I've just been approachable because of I've always just left the door open now. Mm To go back to the problem we have here, if if you feel like the door is closed, um, maybe that's a conversation you have with the salon owner. Like, I feel like maybe you come to them with a solution and if they shut you down and you're frustrated about that, then maybe having the conversation about your communication with them. So maybe mm-hmm. it needs to go back to like your relationship. But then yeah. also I think what a lot of people miss the mark on, and I think this goes back to where she said, um, so just is it is what is it what it is yeah and i think that a lot of people don't think about the dynamic between the leader and the stylist enough when they're choosing a salon so true so i think that it is very important for you to make sure when you're interviewing somewhere that it's a great fit for you, it's a great fit for them, and that your leadership styles match. Because I think that's where a lot of stylists get frustrated, Mm -hmm. but it's kind of like instead of getting frustrated, maybe look at what you could have done differently, and maybe that means you need to make a change in where you're at because you're not happy. Like, I just think bottom line, if you're not happy, like, you got to go on because it's not, then you start blaming somebody else for really something that's, like, your fault or your problem. Yeah, resentment starts building up. Yeah, so I would say it seems like with the type of personality or like, and I get it, I am a, I would be frustrated by all of this stuff too. So I completely agree. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think a different salon might be a good option if it's continuous, like if it's just continuous frustration, if it's one thing, mm-hmm. two things, whatever, like, or you think it's something, but first take these actions, try to come with solutions, try to do what you can. And if it just doesn't work, I think it's just not a good fit. Yeah. I think another thing you do really well is like being explanatory of your side of things as well. Like I Mm. think sometimes too, maybe when you are a commission stylist or renting, maybe you're not looking at the big picture as much as you do too. Yeah. I don't know if you want to touch on that at all. Well, a big, big thing that I heard that I always go back to, this is like when someone asked me a question, I think to myself, if I said yes to everybody, at the whole entire salon with this question, what would be the outcome? (laughs) Because like a prime example would be something that I have in my contract is if they want to hire an assistant, there's an additional fee. Like the, we have to pay for that extra stylist to be in the space. Mm -hmm. So if I can go back to my thought process with that, it's like, okay. So if I just said, yeah, you can have an assistant for free, 
but then multiply that times eight. Think about how much extra product I'm using. Think about how much extra water I'm using. Think about how many more snacks are going to go out. Mm -hmm. Think about like, there's so many expenses that are going to happen with more bodies in there that more money has to come in literally just for me to cover my expenses. So whenever somebody approaches me with something, if I always ask myself that I'm like, well, what if I said yes to every single stylist for the same question? Would it be good or would it be bad? And then I know Mm -hmm. if it's going to be bad, then I explain that to them. I'm like, Hey, I literally have used that verbiage before. Or, um, I will explain like if financially, like I have a budget for my snack bar, right? I can't add something in because it doesn't fit within the budget right now. So I think to your point, explaining to them kind of like why it can't be done or why it doesn't align with my vision or my mission or whatever it is, but Mm -hmm. it's never just kind of like, no. Right. (laughs) I don't know. That seems weird, but but there are a lot of no's that have to be said in order to, you know, make it run and and function the way that you need it to. So sometimes it's a no and that's not fun, but I think they're understanding of the no because they understand why it's a no. Yes. That's a good tip. Very good point. Okay. And then part of that too, is they are a rental salon. So is there a difference? Like, you know, when someone is a renter, they are their own boss already. So they're coming into it kind of saying like, Oh, I would maybe run my own business in this way. Mm -hmm. Is there a way to act with a salon owner? like that's different in a rental situation or I think in a rental situation it's I think almost more of it falls on like me as a leader where I have to remind them and like empower them like okay like this is your business so let's think about how you want to do that but Mm -hmm. I also do know that there could be an element of control involved in there as well so like Sometimes I think, depending on who the owner is, I know stylists have been like, oh, well, I can't do that because it isn't, you know, the salon owner wouldn't like that or whatever. So right. there is a dynamic where you, ha- you have to respect the space, right? That's who, that's what the salon owner provides. Yep. And you have to respect like the culture that they've chosen for their space. Yep. But I think it all goes back to that interviewing, really. I think it goes back to like the very beginning of it. So I think as stylists, we just need to do more work on the front end before we say yes or before they say yes to us. Yeah. Oh, I like that. I like that. Okay, let's move on to the next question. This is from Emily Beautistry. How did you know you were ready to start educating? Ooh, that's a fun question. <laughs> yeah. Um I mean, are you ever really ready for I'm just kidding. I don't um know. <laughs> I would say when people want to learn from you literally like I started having people approaching me about wanting to know my knowledge, like tons of questions on Instagram, um, Mm -hmm. asking if they could come shadow me. And so I was like, wow, people want to learn from me, but not only that, but I wanted to teach them too. So I had a passion for it. I had a passion for seeing the light bulbs go off and, um, just really was ready to, kind of level up and bring more to the education field. So I wanted it and they wanted it too. Yeah. That's a good um, way to think about it. But then when you did start educating it, like I've noticed there's a lot of people choose like an education route. Like how did you think you were going to be different? Like were you doing research on other educators or were you going thinking like, Oh, I could do this. And well, I had a, your mind. I had a lot of self doubt actually in the beginning of it. And I think that a lot of people when they're considering being an educator, it can be a little bit scary because 
yeah, you're putting it all out there. Like you gotta be able to answer every question that they throw at you. And not only from that standpoint, but you're organizing events now at yeah. this point. So, I mean, it's, it's another thing. And so I remember when I wrote it down in my journal as a goal of mine, it was almost like a sheepish, like I almost didn't write it, but I kind of wrote it, but I was like, maybe write this in pencil in case I want to erase it. Like it was, I was a really, I think my mind was a lot smaller than two and yeah. it's obviously grown, you know, over the years with just a lot of work, but I was, I was afraid. I was, you, you're afraid nobody's going to sign up. You're afraid. Yeah. You're putting yourself out there in a totally different the, light. Will you come to my birthday party, mom? Yes. Will you come to my birthday party? And I've had this conversation with so many people that are like, I'm considering educating, but they're just afraid. But what I'll say is my first class was three people. Like, cool. You know, like, yeah. obviously it wasn't like I, you know, made a ton of money on that. It wasn't like it was a sold out class. But what it did is it gave me experience and confidence. Yes. And even though it was three people, I gave it everything I had. I gave them everything I had. I started like I've always been about the experience. It's something that I think is different about my education. Mm -hmm. I love to throw events. I love to throw parties. I love, yeah. I love that hosting, element. Yeah. I love hosting. So for me, when I, when I plan my education, it is an experience. I am hosting you. You are there to be served and, but that's who I am. So my education should reflect that. And so mm -hmm. I think that there can be a lot of self-doubt in the beginning, but if you're considering starting, I think the best thing you can do for yourself is just give yourself practice. Cause it is like, you're teaching people that know things now, right? Yeah. Like you're teaching professionals and they're paying, they're paying money to come see you. So give it your best, start by practicing, start by maybe coaching your team. Like I've done classes with my team or um, I had just someone come shadow me one-on-one -on -one so I could practice my words and my teaching. So I think the experience just like with anything, right? We all did our first foil at one point and the more experience we have, the faster we get and the better we get. So just put yourself out there, get some experience and like, just know that if somebody wants to learn from you, like they're gonna take something from that. And I think continuing to be educated too, like I go to tons of classes, so mm -hmm. I get to go and experience and I'm not teaching what they're teaching, but sometimes like, like I went to a master's of balayage class and one of the things I really loved about that was they had a cohesive language that they spoke. Like they all said the same words and you could tell that was part of like the culture and the brand. And so oh, yeah. I picked that up and I was like, Ooh, I like that. I was like, that's cool. Mm -hmm. Um, and so then it was something that I was able to appreciate and be like, you know what? I'd really like a cohesive language for my brand. Yeah. And so I think like, taking little tidbits from other people that inspire you and that feel authentic to you and then just building what you need to. Yeah. What was your first class that you taught? So my first class that I ever taught actually, well, okay, I'll take that back because the, the first class that I ever taught was at a cosmetology school. It was a bridal okay, class. Gotcha. And so that I didn't have to do anything. They just literally like asked me to go, but I did it for free. Okay. So this okay. was free. Yep. And then, but my <laughs> first like paid class was three students extensions. There you go. And then that was through a company. And then my first independent class was like maybe eight months later. And that was a bridal class. Ooh. And I taught bridal to about, I want to say it was like 15 st stylists, all local, really low price. Like, I mean, I don't think my education is absurdly expensive now, but I'm just saying like, yeah, yeah. it was like, you know, kind of introductory. Like, let me dip my toes in. Let me see how this goes. And yeah, you're jumping into it. Yeah. And I had a blast. That's so cool. Yeah. Okay. Thanks. This next one comes along with it and it says, do you think affordable education will come back? Speaking of affordability. Yeah. I, that, well, that tied in pretty <laughs> yeah. sneakily oh, yeah. there. Um, <laughs> 
Well, okay. So I think what maybe the stylist is talking about with affordable education, um, I think they're speaking to, so like now there's a lot of independent educators like myself, right? Mm -hmm. So my color class, let's just say is $600 to go to the color class. Whereas like through a distributor, so like through the big brands like Salon Centric and um, Cosmoprof and things like that, they offer like really cheap classes. Like sometimes you can use your points to go to them. Um, and like the educator is getting, you know, compensated from that company. So it's more like branded. Okay. Here's the thing that I think though, I think what's happened with that is the level of education has gone down. So like a lot of people don't want to necessarily take those classes because they're not feeling like they're getting good education. But I also think it's because that educator's not getting compensated a lot and there's not a lot of like direction right. with it. Right. So that's why I think stylists are like veering towards more of the independent. But I do think with there being so many educators out there, I just had a conversation with a stylist over Instagram last week and we were talking about how, uh, she was saying that her color classes, it's been hard for her to make uh, ticket sales on them. Mm-hmm. And I think it's because it's so saturated now. Yeah. There's not like, you have to offer something different almost because we have a lot of options to choose from. There's on one given day, there might be like, 20 amazing artists teaching a class and you have to choose where you want to spend your money. So I feel like either it's going to elevate, like your experience is going to have to become better because like people are just like, well, everybody does that now. So like, like, Mm -hmm. so I think as an educator, we're going to have to either do more to continue to charge what we're charging and make it a better experience. Or I feel like, more people are going to be coming out with more like unique things to teach. Like, I think that's kind of why like my six figure stylist is so different. It's about like, it's about like the internal stuff you need to do. And I think yes. that's why it's so interesting to people. Cause it's like different. Yeah. So not getting that. Yeah. I guess to like bring it back, I don't know if it'll ever go down to like how it did before, but I do think either we're going to have to level up or we're going to have to start charging less because I just don't feel like people are giving the value maybe that they're charging. And I think stylists are starting to notice that and they're like, "Mm, that really wasn't worth my $2,000 they spent on that extension certification. And I think extensions too, it's like a diamond. I mean, you can find an extension method on every every block. And I, I just don't think... Yeah. So I think to your point, yes, but I also hope that we're going to level up so that we can continue to charge what we're charging. Yeah. Well, when it is so saturated like that too, it is hard to kind of decipher which ones you should take because we've found like, you know, a lot of people who can do the work maybe aren't great teachers Mm -hmm. or vice versa. So like, is there any way like when you're picking classes that you sift through, like, or is it just kind of whatever piques your interest topic wise when you pick something to go to? I think what I look for in an educator, and I think it's because like a brand like really matters to me, like having someone where I'm like, oh, that's their brand. Like you can tell they put a lot of detail into it. Mm -hmm. I feel like I go more towards like the detail oriented people because I feel like if they put detail into their work, they're more than likely going to put it into the class. Yeah. Um, And I feel like I don't, really feel like I'm just like, Oh, I go for like the big name. Like I want like the good service, you know? So I don't know. I think for me, like sometimes it's a learning experience though. Sometimes you go to like the big, the big name and then you're like, "Mm," like that wasn't actually like what I thought it was going to be. Don't meet your heroes. Yeah. Yeah. But I also (laughs) think too, like referrals are always great. Like if you see people like, 
you know, really bragging about how good a class was, like, mm-hmm. it's probably going to be the truth. So it's kind of going like, like a referral, right? So yeah. like you, we do referrals with our clients. It's kind of the same thing I think with classes. So, um, I always ask my friends like, what did you think? Like, did you love the class? And, and I hope you all say that about me. <laughs> <laughs> I think they would. I think they do. <laughs> um, and then this is, this actually question kind of ties into these, this all as well, but how much is your shadowing opportunity? Yeah. Salon, like what do we do for shadowing you or becoming your assistant, all that? Yeah. So my shadow experience that I offer is for stylists to come in. Um, it's paid education. So I really slow the day down so that I can teach while they're there too. It's not just mm-hmm. like, they're just like standing there watching me all day. Like that's cool. Yeah. Um, but you know, they want to learn while they're there. And I, I found what a lot of people want to learn from me is kind of just like how I operate kind of like from a business standpoint too. Yes. Like, yes, they want to see my color techniques, my extensions, all that, but they want to learn like, and they just want to have conversations with me and, mm-hmm. and about how I operate. So what that looks like is I either do one-on-ones or I do a two-on-one. So you can like bring a friend if you want. It's more affordable if you do it that way. Um, otherwise, you can have a solo experience. And my assistant works with us too. I pretty much handpick the clients that we have that day. So it's more geared towards what you want to learn. So if you're like, I really want to dive into extensions or I want to see your high contrast looks or whatever, I try to strategically place my clients Online. on that. So we pick a day together. But I also do a 60 minute one-on-one or two-on-one mentor session. And so that's where we can get more into like the business side of things. I think it's cool when they, they want to see like how my salon manager Katie works. They want to see what my assistant does for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I'm able to really slow it down the day and break it down um, and really teach while they're there. So they are getting a very intimate like yeah, personal one-on-one, one-on-one mm-hmm. experience with me, um, which I think is really fun because one of my favorite things about classes, honestly, is I really do like meeting and knowing people. I That's why I do Instagram DM groups before all my classes because I want everybody to follow each other. I literally, I want to know where you're from, what your favorite thing to do is. Um, and I really just like that personal connection. So I think with me, with any type of my class, it's like about the personal connection for me. And I got to make sure I can hit that or it doesn't feel like it's a good class for me. So the shadow experiences are fun. I feel like I just, every time I feel like I meet a best friend, like I'm like, we're going to be friends. This is going to be great. Yeah. And we just have a good time and we have a good day and it's just intimate and it's, it's fun. And they can find that on my website. I love that. You can just buy it. Like it's easy. You know, you don't have to like DM me for five days. You can just go on the website, click it and buy it. Come hang out with us. (laughs) Okay. Sticking on education for one more minute. So you are going to be going this weekend to an education experience of your own and you're traveling. Mm -hmm. How has it been being on the road? It's been really fun. You want to know something funny? I was like (laughs) in 2024, I don't think I'm going to do traveling education. I said this like, I don't know, six months ago. I was like, there's a lot of details that go into it. And like, maybe I just want to focus on other things. And then I was gone a couple weeks ago and I was like, well, that was fun. (laughs) And I was like, I look at Britt who works in my education. And I was like, what do you think? Do you think we should do them next year? And she's like, oh, I want to. And I was like, I want to too. So honestly, I think it's really fun because I get to meet people in like a lot of people travel in for my six figure stylist, but when I do more of a color class, I feel like with color classes, yes, people travel in, but it is more like general surrounding areas. And I just think it's fun to go meet people. I think it's fun to see into their world. Like when I was done teaching, I like basically did some like mentor sessions. I'm just chatting with people. Like you're just, you're talking, you're experiencing, you're in a different place. There's a lot that goes into it. So there is a lot of detail, a lot of organization. It Mm -hmm. definitely costs a lot of money to be a traveling educator with all the stuff that we do. Mm -hmm. It's not cheap. Um, but it's fun. 
Yeah. So the connection's real. The, and the connection's real. Yeah. And I, I kind of like being in someone else's space and just like looking around and see what they do. And yeah, there's so many similarities between you think, you know, you'd be worlds apart and it would be so right. different. And I also think that about the industry too. Like there are certain areas where it seems like it would be so competitive, but like the benefit you guys get about sharing each other's experience, I think just totally outweighs all of that. And I think what's been really fun this year is we had people apply to be host salons. So it was like, I knew that that salon really wanted me to be there mm-hmm. and their team really wanted me to be there. And I really enjoy that when a large group from a salon is there, I feel like I can make a big impact on the actual salon itself. Yes. Like not just cause it's hard when one person comes to your class and they're lit up and they're fired up and they're inspired, but then they go back and their whole salon isn't, it's kind of hard for like me to f- for that stylist for one, but then too, like, I just like being able to feel like I'm making a bigger impact on like a whole. So I think that's what was really funny with kind of the way that we did things this year. And I got to just build connect. I feel like I already know I'm going there. So I'm like, yeah, you guys are my friends. We're going to be good. So yeah, you know me, I'm crazy. So we'll, (laughs) we'll do it. (laughs) Yeah. I have a lot of fun. Okay, this is from Michaela Hamill, and she asks, what do you do to recharge yourself for the beginning of a new week? (laughs) Oh, I love that question. I'm really big on this. Like, I need my, I can go, 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 but I need my, like, structure and organization to feel really good going into the next week, and so um, Sundays is kind of always my prep days. And that's why when I do travel, it is a little bit chaotic because I don't have that prep day and I totally feel it. I'm like, wait, I'm like, I need to do what I need to do. So, um, what I do to recharge myself is I I give myself off from work, of course, unless I'm teaching Mm -hmm. a class and I will meal prep. I usually go to church. I spend time with my boyfriend or a friend or a family member I like let this be kind of a go with, it's like a go with the flow, but I have my tasks that I need to get done, but it's not like a rigid timeline. Like every day I operate on a, like literally I got here to film this podcast one minute before I by needed the to. Minute. Yeah. It's by the minute. Everything mm-hmm. is by the minute. Whereas I allow that to kind of be a little bit more of a flex day. I do things that I enjoy. If I want to go work out, I go work out. If I don't want to work out, I don't work out. Like I just, I make sure that everything is organized on Sunday so that Monday I can wake up. I know exactly what I need to do for the week. I know where I need to be at what time I got my meals ready to be heated up in the microwave. Like Mm -hmm. I try to simplify the day to day. Mm -hmm. I I think if I went into a month, let's pretend I go into a Monday morning. I don't know what I have to do for my business. I don't know what meetings I have that week. I don't know appointments, nothing. It's like the time that I have to take to just think about that is taking up a ton of my day. And I also know that if I set time blocks where, okay, I need to work on the salon for a two hour time block then I need to work on my education or whatever it is. Like if I can stay focused in that lane, instead of having to switch my brain to a billion different places, I'm going to be a lot more effective and a lot faster. Yes. So I just really set up myself for success by doing it the day before and just knowing like what I have for the week. It just, obviously I have to leave wiggle room. Things are going to happen. And I know people that, you know, have kids or whatever. Like, I mean, I, I don't have kids, but my life still goes like that. So just leaving the wiggle room time in there too, I think is really nice. And I get my nails done every couple weeks. I get massages every four weeks. Like to me, services make me feel good. So I just make sure I keep those in my rhythm. And so that I'm always feeling good. My therapy sessions, all those. Yeah. 
build it in. Build it into your I schedule. Know, that's actually smart to kind of spread it out throughout the week too, because I feel like so many people think on Sunday, oh my gosh, I have to, do, my whole Sunday needs to be spent like meal prepping and doing all the things. And then your whole Sunday is taken up and then you didn't really get that downtime. So mm-hmm. maybe breaking up, you know, where nails in the week and, you know, spending yeah. it out a little bit. Or I'll do like on Saturday, it. like if I know my Sunday I want a little more time. I'll go to the grocery store on Saturday, but like I just make sure I have it just planned in there. So it's just like, I, I literally plan my meals, like walking on the treadmill, like just being efficient with it too, can like make it not seem so overwhelming. I think. Yeah, totally. Cool. Good advice. Speaking of which, I'm pretty sure my stomach just growled. <laughs> oh, no. You guys heard that. <laughs> Lunchtime. <laughs> okay. Our final question is from blush and brows and they ask any bridal hair slash makeup advice. I'm interested if this is supposed to be more on like a business side of a bridal business or yeah, I like think- a technique, but yeah, let's go yeah. the more like business route on this. Mm-hmm. So for those of you guys who don't know, when I started in my suite, so I kind of started my own business, I had a bridal business and that was like my thing. Like I was a bridal artist. Like I did like 30 weddings a summer. It was chaos. It was crazy. If you guys go back to the first episode, we have some old photos on our podcast website. Oh yeah. And it's almost unbelievable. It's just like totally different. It is totally different. And so, yeah, I mean, bridal was my thing. Like, and and I, I was good at it. And I think why I was good at it was because I was super organized on the back end. Like yes. my, one of the biggest pieces of advice besides like that they felt like their hair or makeup looks good. It was that they felt like they were taking care of. So this literally ties into everything we talk about with education. Like you are providing a service. They want to not have to worry about it. So I wanted to be stressed out yes. too. That's with bridal clients. They're already like, you know, at capacity for anxiety. <laughs> my goal was to be their easiest vendor. I handled everything. I made sure the schedule was done for them, which takes a lot of organization, which is why I had to step back from it. I just didn't have the time anymore to deliver the level of service that I wanted to with opening the salon and starting to teach, which is why I don't do it anymore. But they loved that I, like my contract was dialed in. They felt like they they took me seriously too because I had a contract. Like I think sometimes they think, oh, hair and makeup artist, afterthought, whatever. No, I was the first person they were booking because I was so like business-like about it. So I really had my business side together, my communication. I always made sure I followed up with them. I had contracts signed by certain deadlines. I always told them like, this is when we're going to, I booked their trial right away. Mm -hmm. I made sure that they felt taken care of. And I even would send like reminder messages like, okay, like your trial's coming up. Remember to come with clean blow dried hair, make sure you wear a white shirt. Let's have some makeup on. So it reflects the day of and they things that they're not thinking of bring your hair piece. Like, so I really just took control of the experience for them. And it was like one less thing they didn't have to think about. And I think that was why I got so many referrals was just because they knew I had my stuff together and I was always early. (laughs) Yes. And it was just you doing it or did you have other people helping you or? Yeah. So it was just me doing it. Um, for like a very brief period, I had a couple people, but that was literally when I was transitioning to stopping kind of doing it. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, I guess my other piece of advice is probably don't book yourself Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and then work Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. That'd be my recommendation. Yes. <laughs> Your body's going to hurt. <laughs> yeah. I guess that goes into another question is like being able to respond in a timely manner. Like mm-hmm. were you, obviously you were behind the chair. So like, how did you get back to them in a quick fashion? Just like as soon as you could, you would respond or so give time. I had it planned into my schedule. Like mm-hmm. I would if, like, so if Monday I didn't work behind the chair, that would be a day where I'd like 
go through and I'd make sure like I just double check my communication, but I would block like little periods throughout the week so that I had touch points on all the different days. So if you decide that you're gonna do on Sundays, right? Like I'm gonna reply back to my clients on Sundays. That could be a full week from when they reached out to you and brides, they wanna hear back quick. They wanna hear back efficient. So my rule was like no more than 48 hours. 48 hours, they are like irritated. They're like, you're not getting back to me. And I think the biggest thing is that it's just, it's scary for brides mm -hmm. and, and they just need you to guide and lead them. Yeah. When you were doing updos, like did you have a lot of updo practice? Did you see education to kind of hone those skills or how did it start? Well, when I first started doing bridal, there really wasn't a lot of education out there. There wasn't independent educators like there is now. Um, and in school, it was like my least favorite thing. I was super afraid of it because I honestly just didn't get any practice in school. We learned a lesson in one day and nobody ever came to the school to get an updo. So yeah. if I if I learned at all, it was just on my mannequin. But I was really just forced into learning how to do them because the salon that I worked at at the time had multiple locations and they had a downtown location. And the downtown location just did bridal from sunup to beyond sundown. So I would just be booked with just tons and tons and tons all day long, all Saturday for an entire summer. And I got really quick and I got really confident. I definitely could say there were probably some updos that I did that weren't that great. Um, but also too, there was another artist that worked there that was, he, he just like, he didn't know how to braid. He didn't know how to twist. He couldn't even do a ponytail. I don't know why they had him doing updos. He didn't want to do them, but it was kind of like the culture. Like you just kind of like did everything. Yeah. And so Honestly, I would do my updo and then I would also do his in like the same time I had to do one. And so that really gave me just a lot of experience with doing bridal hair. And then I really just started to fall in love with it. And I started falling in love with the experience of the day and yeah. just being around them and being a part of their day. And so, yeah, that's kind of how we did it. Yeah. So did that kind of help? Like, cause you know, a lot of brides that can be maybe like indecisive or feeling kind of nervous about like, they don't, they come to you and they may not know what they're trying to get like accomplished with their look. Like, did that help build confidence in that? Absolutely. I think you, you have to lead for them because they've never done this before. And if they are someone who is indecisive about the look, why can't we offer them multiple looks? Like I'm sure they're willing to pay for it. So I had a package where you could get two trials versus one. And sometimes like they would buy the one package, right? They'd be like, oh, just, I just need one. And then we'd get closer and they're like, you know what? I don't know what I want. And I'd be like, cool, let's add it on. Like, no big deal. Don't make them feel bad about it. I don't know what I would want to do with my hair. Yeah. Like, so I think Thank at the end know. of the day, you want to look like yourself. You need to lead it for them because they've never done it before on all aspects from a schedule standpoint, from a look standpoint, and just... Let them know you want them to feel beautiful and just really taking the pictures and the videos. Like, I don't know how anybody would take, would do a trial, not take a picture or a video, and then somehow remember what they did on somebody. So I think it built a lot of confidence that I took pictures and videos of all my trials. And then I can bring that up on the wedding day and I show them again and I'm like, okay, mm -hmm. so here's what we did. Is there anything after you wore it that you felt like you wanted to change or shift or anything like that? And then they felt so confident that one, I remembered what we did and mm -hmm. two, that they got to see it again. They were like, okay, I did love that. Because sometimes I've heard with brides as well, you get your dress so early mm -hmm. or you do your trial and then you're like, oh my God, am I still gonna like my dress? And so they have that fear too. And so I think just... And knowing like that if the day of comes up and they want to change something, like 
let's go flexible let's do it yeah okay you mentioned it a little bit but um you brought up packages like for the business side of things is that how you did it bridal with packages or did you do a la carte services like what works work best for you so i changed it up over the years based kind of off of the like the feedback that i got but the biggest thing that i did was as a bridal artist you have to think about the time that it's taking for you to pack your kit to pack it up to drive to the location and i think a lot of bridal artists they like sell themselves short financially and so i calculated what my kind of hourly rate was if i were to be behind the chair because I have to, I felt like I want to make the same amount behind the chair as I am doing a bridal, especially if I'm going on site. So I wanted to make sure I wasn't making less. So I had a minimum, like, let's just say it was, it was like 975 or something, however many years ago. Mm -hmm. And that included the bride and four other styles. So that was my, like my minimum. Mm -hmm. Now, if they wanted to book me and they had less services than that, they could still book me, but that was my minimum. And then anything beyond that, I did add-ons. So, okay, Mm -hmm. you've got six bridesmaids. We have an a la carte price for those. But basically what that included was 30 minutes of travel either way. It included the bride. It included four styles. And so that's kind of how I did it. I found that a lot of people like to pay separately, though, when you go on site. So I did all payments due before because I don't want the bride to have to worry that day about, like, paying me and, like, each girl paying me. So... But I did find that a lot of bridesmaids would pay for themselves. Right. So, but I kind of did put it on the bride from the ease of my day. So whether or not the bride wanted to charge them a la carte, that was cool. But then they just Venmoed the bride. I got one final payment and it made it a little more seamless, more seamless and easy for me. Yeah. Um, so it was a package that included like the bare minimum and what my base would be and then add-ons on top of that. And then if it was more, you just have to be, you have to be on your numbers when it comes to quoting them as you should be behind the cherry as well. But if it's going to take you extra time to travel, you got to know what that's going to cost so that you can come back to them and be like, okay, clear, simple as day. An extra 15 minutes is an extra $50. And then when you quote them, you're consistent among your quoting because you, like if you're just pulling numbers out of thin air, like, well, I think it's going to take, you know, let me just add an extra 50 on. Like it's inconsistent. It's confusing for you. And it's not really transparent for the client. So I think I had prices on my website. So it was like pretty easy, pretty clear. And just additional travel was the only thing that I would charge for. And I would just tell them right away, this would be your quote. You sign a contract. We fill out a contract. Mm -hmm. Boom. That's smart too. I think a lot of stylists forget some of their expenses like travel. Mm -hmm. So it's good to kind of break it down like that. Do you have any funny stories? Like any, you know, bridal is a lot of like make it work (laughs) moments. Like was there any where you're like doing hair in the rain or something crazy? Well, I think the best story that I'll have, hopefully she never listens to this podcast. She probably wouldn't know who she is. Um, Everybody always asked me when I would go do onsite bridal, they're like, have you ever had any crazy experiences? And I was like, well, yeah. So... This was way back my first year as a stylist. Okay, so I'm like, baby. And I worked those Saturdays at the salon and I did bridal all day long. Yeah. And I couldn't like easily see my schedule between the multiple locations. So I would just walk in though knowing I was going to do bridal. I didn't care. Yeah. So I walk into the salon and everybody like turns and looks at me like all the employees. I was like, what? Like, what did I do? (laughs) And they're like, do you know who you have today? I'm like, no. Like, who do I have today? So they start explaining to me, like kind of prepping me. So apparently this girl had seen another stylist for a consult, but the girl was too nice or something. So the, the, the client refused to see her because she was too nice. Mm. 
Oh. So I was like, all right, okay, that's weird, but whatever. Maybe yeah. not your cup of tea. You should have who you want. Yeah. So I'm the only person open because I'm a brand new stylist, so I've got openings, right? Yeah. So they throw her with me. <laughs> and I think maybe the salon kind of knew. I've definitely grown in this, but I've always kind of had this ability to like be strong in like a situation, yes. but still kind at the same time. But I, I, I kind of could take control of it, I think a little better than like maybe somebody who was like just too, you know, sweet or nice. Sure. So whatever. So I don't know what I'm getting myself into. I'm just like, <laughs> okay, let's pray. So she comes in and I'm like, already can tell my oh i see what they're all talking about right (laughs) so there were a number of things that happened during the service so we're doing our consultation and she's like literally screaming at me that i'm asking her any questions but i'm like it's a consultation like i have to know what you want for your bridal here but she's just like why are you asking me so many questions and i'm like and i and my response would be because that's what a consultation is i need to understand what you're looking for so you can feel beautiful today like that's it (laughs) so she was like yelling at me because of that she all she wanted was just a braid in her hair and i'm like okay well what kind of braid and where do you want the braid like there's so many ways so she tells me she doesn't want any she's like i don't want a lot of volume i just want a braid in my hair so eventually i go cool i'm like all right homie i'm just gonna do your hair if you don't like it i really have no control over it because you don't want to answer my questions (laughs) the things that happened while she was in my chair she i shouldn't i'm not gonna i'm gonna bleep this a little bit but she called her photographer and effing fat ass oh no. which was terrible oh no i saw her physically slap her mother <gasps> across the face oh my gosh she had one bridesmaid left because they had all quit yes she i would have jumped ship. she was swearing yeah she oh, was no. swearing i felt so bad for these other clients that were just in there getting their hair done it was like so <laughs> embarrassing I'll never forget when I called, she had so many things. She had a tiara. She had like seven clips going in her hair. And I called it like the wrong word. Like I didn't say it was diamonds or something. And she's like, these are diamonds. These aren't, and she like yells at me. I'm like, you know what? At this point, you guys, I'm just like kind of laughing because I'm like, this girl's crazy. Like in my head, I'm like, there's nothing I can do. So I give up like mentally. Yes. I'm like, I'm not worried about it. You can check out. I can bit. check out. I'm just going to let her do her thing. She, I think the amount of pills she took while she was in my chair, I mean, her, she's profusely sweating the whole time her she literally just like takes back these pills but then the kicker was when her soon-to-be husband calls so she's on speakerphone she's screaming at him because she forgot her charger and she needs her phone to be charged for the day whatever so she's screaming at him they're in from out of town it seems like because she's like telling him to go to a store to like get it or whatever cool so she's screaming at her soon-to-be husband then she gets off the phone with him and she's telling me she's like oh my God. She's like, I just can't wait for him to go back to work. Like he usually travels and he's just been so annoying. And I'm thinking like, girl, I don't think you should be getting married. So I'm just like, you know what though? Like not my monkey, not my circus. I'm just going to make it through. So cool. All these crazy things happen. We send her to go get her makeup done. Mm -hmm. And then after that, I'm supposed to put her veil in. Okay. So I'm, I have a color like application really quickly while she's getting her makeup done. And, um, so she comes back. I'm, I'm all of about 15 seconds. I'm, I'm taking the gloves off. You know what I mean? Like I'm, I'm ready to move over. I go to yeah. wash my hands. I'm doing red hair color. You probably don't want me to touch you. Right. Yeah. So I'm washing my hands and she's like, 
are you ready for me? And she's literally, she's throwing chairs in the salon. It was like the craziest thing ever. I'm like, is this for real? Like, I feel like I am on a reality TV show right now. So she's throwing chairs and then she sits down and she goes, do I make you nervous? Do I make you nervous? And I'm like, no, like, I think you're crazy. I don't say that, but I'm like, no, you don't make me nervous. Whatever. Cool. Anyway, long story short, she was totally a bridal nightmare. And I walk her up to walk her out. And I'm like, okay, you know, as we do, we are service providers. I'm like, well, have a wonderful, beautiful wedding day. And she literally runs into the door. And I was like, kind of like in my soul, I was like, well, after being so mean to all these people, this is some karma. Wow. So whatever. She was a true bridezilla. And it was just, it was literally something I'll never forget. I actually had to write in the company was trying, I guess, trying to fire her or something. Mm. And I had to kind of write like the experience and everybody's like, are you okay? Are you okay? I was like, am I okay? I was like, is she okay? Like, I think she needs some serious help. (laughs) So I feel really blessed that I've kind of always had the mindset of like, okay, that's clearly a them thing. And like, I'm going to be all right. That is a really strong mentality. It was weird though. Like, I'll never forget that day in my entire life. I was, the processing that went through my head as I was walking to my car that night, I was like, what in the world? (laughs) So yeah, it was really crazy. But honestly, I think once I built a brand for myself as a bridal stylist and I was on my own, I had the most delightful brides in the whole entire world. I never had cases where it was like crazy, but I think it's kind of like you attract a certain type of person. Absolutely. And so bless that because I never had a situation like that, but it's a really funny story to tell. So anyways. And I think it, yeah. R.I.P. To to that marriage. Yes, (laughs) It speaks to, yeah, the flexibility you kind of need in these, you know, high, not stress, high stress, but like also high maintenance kind of, um, clients not in the negative way but just like they require a lot more of yeah. luxury activities at the end of the day it was still my job to give her her bridal hair and yeah. serve her at the end of the day and um obviously like in that like i would never allow somebody to like disrespect me and or like disrespect somebody in my space or whatever but at this point i was literally like you know she's just so kooky that like yeah. it, she's never gonna see me again i'm never gonna see her yeah we're just gonna let this one rest yes. <laughs> I love that. Okay, well, that was our last question for our last limited edition episode of the first season. So, yeah. Yeah, thanks for ath- or answering all these Absolutely. Great questions. And if you guys are unfamiliar with what limited edition is, I have an Ask Me Anything um, link that I'll actually put below in the description box because when we do uh, season two, we're going to be needing some new fresh questions for our limited edition episodes. And limited edition are specific towards stylus and then the ask me anything general questions we put those in all of our our other podcasts so as always you guys i really hope that um this was something that you took a lot of value away from and if you guys have any ask me anything questions just click the link in the description of this podcast and if it helped you or inspired you or you just want to share some love i'd be really grateful if you would rate and review this episode send it to a friend and share it on your social media xoxo